This is part three of an interview that I, Richard Lang, conducted with Douglas Harding in 1987. Douglas, we were talking about practice and discipline. Do you think a discipline of some sort is necessary or helpful to see? Uh, sort of meditation, I think. Yeah. Uh, in a sense, it's absolutely indispensable, Richard, surely. It's, it's rather paradoxical. Uh, there's nothing to be done because one is okay, the situation is absolutely all right. But one is who one is. Nothing can stop that, nothing can prevent that, interfere with that. And uh, what one is as a human being, uh, well, that is what. Uh, it has to be, that's uh, got its place, and uh, looked at from its origin, it's, a, it's uh, perfectly in order. So what then is to be done? Where does the discipline come in? And a lot of the Zen masters would rub that in, you know, what are you, what are you trying to do? Uh, it's, uh, the, uh, your trouble is that you think there's some trouble. And if you would uh, see that everything as it is is all right uh, and relax into that, all will be achieved. In fact, the, the thing to be achieved is, is the idea that there's nothing to be achieved. That is the real achievement. And uh, having said that, uh, it's also true to say that having seen one, who one is, which is a bit of cake, and totally available, easy. The easiest thing in the world is to see into one's true nature. So by turning the arrow of one's attention around is the easiest thing in the world. Um, however, as you well know, it's, uh, it's also the most difficult thing in the world, almost. That's not quite true, but it's certainly a very difficult thing uh, to maintain this inward look at all. At first, with most uh, people, it's something that is uh, only hard to keep up, but impossible to keep up. It's very, very intermittent. One's always been diverted from it. So, at best, it is uh, uh, enormously interrupted. At worst, it's something you do just a few times in your life, perhaps. Well, in, in, in one sense, and what's wrong with that? Because <clears throat> since looking into who one is, is looking into the timeless realm. And there are indeed no gaps between the lookings in, no gaps at all the time. Then uh, what's the trouble? Uh, does one need to maintain uh, uh, in time that which is uh, out of time? Of course not. But if we're if we're looking at the thing from the point of view of uh, the world of time, and that's where uh, we function in the world of time, don't we? We function from the timeless into the We're looking to that functioning in time.
that's where the practice is absolutely essential. Otherwise, nothing really happens. Um, what kind of practice? It's ineffective. It's in, the seeing of who we are is uh, fruitless. It's a, a barren, a barren thing. Um, nothing comes of it. It has no consequences for living. So, in order that uh, this timeless, the seeing into the timeless shall bear fruit in time, um, a very great deal of work has to be done. I use work in inverted commas. Now, what is the work? The work is not an achievement. The work is 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 the, the constantly coming back to see that there is nothing to be achieved in all this world. So the work is not <clears throat> doing something afresh. It is the observation that there is really no work to do and all is well. And what is it? Then what is this work? This work is the turning round of the area of one's attention, as often as, 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 as may be. And uh, that is the practice. And that leads me on to another issue is the maintaining of this. How one maintains this, gets it going, keeps it going. Well, that's in a way what we're talking about, yeah. isn't it? This practice is the, is the maintenance of, uh, of the sin looking. And how does one, how does one do this? One, one practices this by, by doing it, by turning the arrow of one's tension around, as I say, uh, in all the circumstances of life, increasingly um, so that in a way one doesn't need to do it any longer because <coughs> because in a way it's going on all the time and one is in touch uh, all the time uh, sometimes very consciously and vividly uh, aware of where one's coming from, aware of the, the, the nothingness here, the one's true nature. Uh, sometimes very vividly and sometimes <clears throat> more often perhaps in a subdued way. But one is, um, one is aware of it. One is not out to lunch. Do one you is not out to lunch. <clears throat> one isn't um, out there in negligence of what is here. There is a kind of, I think you recognize it, you know what I'm talking about, this uh, sense of, uh, here am I gone, is a funny way to put it. Yeah. There's a sense of I'm here and I'm not here, here am I absent or present as awareness of my uh, self as uh, having no characteristics. Uh, capacity for the world. It is ceasing, <coughs> the practice is ceasing to overlook the looker or the hearer, the one who is here. Is there a sense in which you ever have to make an effort to pay attention to that at this point? It really, I suppose there is, in a way. I think effort is, is, is not the right word, really, but I can't give a better one. Um, I think 
I think we have to go on making an effort until we see that effort is quite pointless, really, in a way. It's not an effortful thing at all, is it? It's more like a relaxation. It's a relaxation back into, into uh, what is forever established. And an effort is to produce something that's not established. And uh, relaxation is sinking back into what is already present. And this is, a, this is present. How can we be effortful about something that's already doing very well? Thank you very much. Are there certain things or situations that for you are promoter of seeing, help you to see, remind yeah, you of seeing. Oh, very much so. Although there are situations where the uh, seeing into one's true nature, this reverse look, this in-seeing, um, is very vivid. And there are other occasions when it is uh, uh, present all right, but not in a, in a very sharp way, which is perfectly okay. It doesn't have to be uh, brilliantly on show. Uh, Ramana, as you know, uh, pointed out that it, it's not in its nature to be always uh, sharp and brilliant and gravy prominent. It's more in its nature to be like a background for one's life. Um, what kind? Well, the occasions which, uh, your question, the occasions which for me uh, are apt to produce the sharp sense, the seeing of uh, the, the space here, is, for instance, the situation we're in now. I mean, there's Richard and his, Richard's face there, and here's the, the absence of mine here. and. Uh, I think one has built up uh, over the years a very strong habit of uh, being face to no face. I think one needed to do that in order to get out of the, the nonsense habit previously of being face to face, which is never true, always a lie, uh, troublesome and uh, productive of all sorts of uh, tensions and uh, fear and all sorts of problems. So uh, that is a situation, having a person in front of me, uh, anyone, a face there, whether I know it or not, uh, that is uh, extremely helpful. I find, uh, uh, I guess you do too. Yeah, I agree, yes. What other, what other occasions do we feel especially helpful? I think when you see something strikingly beautiful like flowers and colours, uh, or just just anything that strikes you as uh, as lovely, like um, music, um, beautiful patterns. Um, I think the. The, 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 the things in the world which are attractive and seem to be very attractive, uh, I think don't attract one in the sense of uh, pull one out, to lose oneself in the object. 
uh, rightly perceived, I think they reveal the subject as much as the object, and they're absolutely one. Mm. I think previously, the attract you say it was very attractive, isn't she attractive, isn't the scene attractive, aren't those flowers attractive? Attraction means pulling you out, doesn't it? Pulling you out there, right. which is the exact opposite. Now, I hope, with, with some of this training we're talking about, uh, uh, that, uh, that these attractive things are also concentrating things. What about the place of workshops to, uh, I know they're for sharing scene, but both for sharing well, and reminding them. Some people don't like them, do they? Of course they are so effective. And I mean, uh, in a workshop, you, you and I have done so many together. And I expected your experience, as it is mine, that um, you can spend an hour, two hours, and really virtually your seeing has been very sharp all the time. I mean, I, I don't know if anyone else is getting a lot out of this workshop, one feels. But certainly it's a way of concentrating uh, one's attention because you cannot, I mean, if it were, if it were possible, it would be quite wrong and fraudulent, wouldn't it? But it's not possible, I think, to run the kind of workshop we're talking about without, <clears throat> all the while, all the while being sharply aware of the absence of someone who's running that workshop. So I would say it's a superb opportunity, uh, superb practice. Uh, the experiments this attention. Yes, the experiments themselves. Would you do them or recommend them as ways of reminding oneself? You mean out of workshop? Yeah. Conditions. Well, I think we're all different, and I, 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 I must admit, I don't go around pointing fingers and. The, into here, and I don't go around uh, uh, putting uh, cars with holes in on my face. You know. I don't do that, and I suppose my explanation of this negligence, of this negligence, is that I don't. You know, life is a workshop, and I don't really need to to produce special contrivances. Life is better at that than I am. Life produces situations which are just what's needed, and I don't really need to interfere too much with that. But I think we're all different, and I suppose uh, in the those of us for whom this is uh, not uh, it's not been going a long time. For those of us for whom this is fairly new and fresh, uh, habits have to be formed. Well, I think it may well be that uh, frequently using this in-pointing finger or uh, very consciously <coughs> observing the single eye, uh, why they, they, that would be uh, very appropriate. But we're all different. We have to each do what we can do. I think there's no standard pattern. But I do think there are things which are common to us all. And this face-to-face -face thing, or rather face-to-no-face -face thing, is something which is so sharp and good and 
And of course, if, oh, oh, there's another one, another one, um, practice which is uh, really helpful. And that is being face to no face with friends who share this because of the infection. Uh, you know, this going around the group. It, 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 the reinforcement is tremendous, I think. It's a paradox, isn't it? Because one is alone and yet one is sharing. Yes, yeah. So I think that that's skillful. It's skillful to hang around people who are doing this. What about difficult situations and problems? Do those uh, help or hinder? Well, what you were you thinking of? What kind of problem? I wasn't thinking of anything in specific. Uh, maybe personal relationship problems, work problems, health problems. All the troubles of life. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't be much good if it didn't have a relevance to these things. I think it has immense relevance to well, I think, first of all, it doesn't uh, dispose of them. It doesn't get rid of them. I think that uh, it, it may almost seem you get a special crop of them. It may be that, maybe, because one is more aware of what's going on and uh, more sensitive and perhaps taking on responsibilities and caring for people and so on, and one would seem to have a more complex and, you know, very troublesome life after seeing and before seeing. Quite often one might feel that. But no, it's not a case of uh, getting rid of problems, in fact. As I say, it can sometimes almost seem the other way around. But nevertheless, something very profound, don't you think, is going on. And it is that uh, the problem is being looked at uh, just the way your face is being looked at at this moment. It's been looked at from no face, and the problem has been looked at from no problem. And that uh, one has a sense, even perhaps rather cloudy and not very sharp and clear, or maybe sharp and clear, one has a sense of um, being space for the problem rather than the problem. And what is the problem? Uh, just as I am your face, I mean, I, the space that your face is revealed to be in is not other than your face. But nevertheless, the space is terribly important. Well, space for the problem, although in a sense it's united with the problem, the space is, is, is what makes the difference. I mean, normally, I would say, till we cotton onto this thing. It's just a problem, isn't it? It's not. Uh, but this is the problem seen from the no problem. Uh, it distinguished utterly. The problem is distinguished utterly from its source. And then they come together and the problem, I suppose in very simple practical terms, one realizes that that problem is absolutely okay to be problematic at this time. It's accepted. Because when a thing is seen from the source, it is authorized. It's not just seen from the source, it's okayed, in a sense. It can be very painful. I mean, like being very ill or dying, for that matter. Whatever it might be. 
when it is perceived consciously from the place where it is perceived from consciously, it's transformed not by uh, uh, a kind of detailed revision or manipulation. It's transformed by viewing it from what is a freedom point, from one who one is. Does this mean that you're not involved in trying to sort out your problems or improve your situation or whatever? Yes, I think it does mean that one's not involved in that. I think one, uh, in a way, one sees this problem as a part of the world and I have no power, no power at all to interfere with one doesn't have nothing to do really except to look at the look at it as it, it is a given. And I mean to change this, get rid of this problem, change it all altogether, remove it, we can change it at all. Would be to change the whole world. And uh, because everything hangs together in a web of mutual conditioning. And this problem of mine, if you if I took it in its fullness, it would it would embrace the universe, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, because everything everything is conditioned by everything else. We got this idea that we can we can treat the world by action piecemeal, uh, rooting out this problem, that problem, or at any rate transforming it. I don't. I think this is illusory. I think, I think it's illusory. What I can do is to be the source of the problem and the source of the whole world, really. And this is to not, not want to change it, really, but to accept it and see that it's okay. And it's a hard thing, isn't it? I mean, you know, something pretty nasty happens in one's life. I one's very, very ill, or a very dear friend is having an awful time, or... Um, circumstances have taken them really nosedive. Well, what uh, what can one do? I it is a certain level, of course. I mean, it depends what level we're talking about. A certain level in which one must do something. I mean, you can take action, but in the last resort, that action is just as conditioned as the thing that's being treated. Um, that will occur anyway, that action, won't it? I mean, these hands will get up to something, these feet will go somewhere, this voice will continue to sound. Uh, all that stuff is all conditioned stuff. My business is not really good fuss about that. My business is to be where it's all coming from. Being where it's all coming from is not a purely passive place or state, is it? No, I don't think it is. No. No. Because you're a very active person, aren't you? From this nothingness, is, it's a creative place. I'm just thinking that it could sound like it just means sitting back doing nothing. Yeah, I do. fatalism. Yeah. Saying I've got 
I'm okay here and I've no uh, control of what happens out there and I'm just going to sit at home uh, idle and uh, uncaring really or resigned resigned to what's going on it's not like that at all in a sense it's extremely active I mean after all uh, who, who am I who are you? Who is one? One is is the action itself. I mean, one is this is this power, which is uh, that's what's one's true nature. I mean, this uh, void here, this emptiness here, is the um, father and mother of everything. If from this, the world is generated. Well, that is uh, in a way the in a way, actually, the only energy there is. So one is energetic in a sense. But I think the, I think my task is not to, is to let the, the let all that energy, that power, that uh, creativity, let it flow as it will in a way, and uh, recognize it, uh, enjoy it. But. I feel my pleasure, my job is to not kind of monitor that, not kind of try and guide it, change it, uh, get involved in it in a way, but to to stay with where it's coming from. In in in, in, in really stay with the abyss, the unknowable, the the, the potentiality, not the actuality, so much the potentiality. Then the actuality, one is that too. But the emphasis of identification, for me, I think, is on the source. Stay with the source. Stay with the center and the periphery will be okay. Go for the periphery and in negligence of the center, the circumference, uh, and one is literally in trouble. Only make for the center, right where one is, stay there and hold as well. And of course the center, it is the center, it's right here, center, center point. And I look at the center point and of course it, it expands infinitely in all directions. The center explodes, but it's just the center one makes for. What do you think the individual psychological and social effects of this scene are? Gosh, they would differ so much person to person, wouldn't they? Uh, I mean, we all start off, we all have our special handicaps and crosses and uh, limitations and uh, what is the effect? going to be um, living the same life on those uh, handicaps and uh, so forth. What's it going to be? Uh, I think it's quite unpredictable, don't you? Um, I mean, there are even moods in which one feels that Richard Lord Douglas perhaps is uh, 
as much stuck in the mire there and as uh, crummy a character as the devil. You know, I, I'm not, this, this business of fruits is a, is a hard one, isn't it? It's a very hard one. But nevertheless, there are fruits. One must admit that there are fruits. And if we go for them, we're, we're in trouble. If we're, if we're too concerned with them, uh, we're in trouble. I, I mean, it's a, it's a cliche to say it, but it really is uh, true. You know, if you want good fruit, you don't fuss about fruit, you, uh, you, you feed the roots and you, the tree. You feed the roots of the tree, make sure they're healthy and good, and uh, the fruits will come. You don't water the fruit, the ground is parched. You don't water the fruit, you water the ground. And it seems to me, look after the ground and the fruit will come. And the, I think the point about it is that the fruits are in time and the roots are out of time. And uh, the roots are timeless, eternal. No thickness, dark, hidden, the abyss, that's the root. And uh, the fruits are in time and they're always changing and uh, ripening and so And uh, unpredictable. You don't know. Uh, time will tell. But all the same, having said that, having said that, Richard, everything, by seeing who one is, you know, it seems to me that fundamentally the hang-ups of our life are taken care of. I mean, you could list, list what come, the, the, the agony, the nonsense, the... Um, handicaps, the troubles that arise from living a lie, from the illusion that one is a thing, a small, limited, uh, temporary, opaque thing here. I get shrunk from being space for everything, which I am as an infant, or even an animal, being no thing, space for everything. I get shrunk into being this little thing here. Now, what is the fruit of that shrinkage? The fruit of that shrinkage is all sorts of all sorts of trouble. I mean, I'm angry because of uh, I I resent the society which cruelly cut me down to size. Um, I'm frightened because things are frightened. I mean, if I'm a thing, I'm I'm terribly uh, vulnerable from uh, the activity of other things, the hostility, abrasion, other things, aren't I? I'm, I'm terrified, really. Um, I'm envious. I, well, I'm, I'm, I'm envious of, of, of possessions and achievements of others. Um, I, the, the world was mine. Now I've shrunk to this little bit of the world. I could be greedy to 
get more and more of the world to establish again my ownership of the world if I can. Of course, it's a hopeless task. All I do is get get more burdens in, in the way of possessions. And uh, so this illusion that I am what I look like, which we began with right at the beginning of this talk we've been having, this illusion that I am a thing in the world here, I am what I look like, this illusion is productive of a, all our troubles, really, and it, it, it's, it's living from a lie that gets me into this terrible trouble. Now, many, 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 many things, greed, hate, delusion, with all their offspring, fear and so forth, all of those things can be, the origin of them can be traced, uh, why, to this illusion, this lie that I've been living from that I'm a thing here. Now, when I start living from the no thing here, and I don't really start living from that, I mean, it stands to reason. It's obvious that the, there's going to be a, insofar as I succeed in living from the truth instead of from the lie, the effects of the must, they must be there for the reasons I've stated. Uh, no longer am I greedy uh, uh, or, or very greedy because of it. World is mine. What's the point of getting little bits and pieces around me to prove, prove the world is mine? I do nothing by that. I just add to my troubles by collecting a lot of junk around me. I don't need to be greedy. If I see that here is the origin of the world and, and this is indestructible, eternal, then where's, where's the place for fear? And uh, what's, where's the place for envy? And, and, and so forth. Um, it seems to me that, uh, you know, the, the, the fruits, the fruits are there. I, they may be invisible to oneself. They're probably more, more visible to other people than oneself. The fruits are there. And, uh, I think Paul is, uh, St. Paul is right by their fruits. Did he say this? By their fruits shall you know them. And if they're no fruits, well, you know, it's because the root is not being tended to. And fruits are there, and they, you can't avoid, there's a sense in which you can't avoid uh, judging the tree by its fruits. And the fruits, I would say, are unique in every case, unpredictable. And, uh, they're not really one's business to fuss about the fruits. And I think one, I don't really, I don't, I don't really think one has fruits. It, it, it's who one is, one doesn't have fruits. The only fruit I have, as who I really am, is this darn great fruit of the whole universe. That's a fruit and a half, isn't it? That one is. I mean, that's the fruit. To talk about little fruits here and there is to, is to is to confuse what I am. I mean, what am I? Am I a little Douglas bearing a lot of uh, silly old fruits? No. I am the origin of the whole lot, and that's my fruit. That'll do me. I'm a fruit merchant. My father was a fruit merchant. So am I. <laughs> yeah. Do you think this, uh, I mean, you spend your life 
writing about this, talking about this, sharing this livingness, do you think it's going to be more and more available and accepted? Because still it feels society doesn't welcome this, doesn't acknowledge this. Is it going to become more popular? <laughs> Crystal ball now. What do you think? <laughs> I'm going to try and get a wriggle out of that one. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't see much change, really, you know. I don't see much change. I mean, I frequently have friends say, oh, things are looking up, you know. Now we're getting, you know, letters from Iceland and Greece, <laughs> and uh, lovely things happened in, uh, in the Rockies or somewhere, <laughs> gosh, and uh, what a beautiful letter that was, and uh, uh, you know, the no-head thing is, uh, seems to be getting around, selling rather well, which is rather nice. But one gets, feels encouraged uh, that things are changing. Well, I don't know. I know that uh, nothing's gone wrong. I know that all is well, and uh, and there is a sense in which nothing. It's a, it's a nonsense, really, to to count no heads. So counting heads is, is makes sense. Counting no heads makes no sense. There's only one no head. Plotinus. Marvelous. He said, out there the many faces, but here the one head of all. If we could but turn round by our own motion or by the happy pull of Athene, we would look in and find here the self and God and the all. Well, nothing gone wrong with that, you know. And out there the many faces, here, the one head of all. And the one head of all is, is okay now. It's got to be many faces out there. And it's got to be the one no head here. Because who you are there is absolutely unique. You'll never find anything as you go around the universe. You'll never find anything remotely resembling what you're looking out of now. It's the one head of all that is there, head uh, with a capital H. Not a thing full of uh, brains and stuff. I mean, head in the sense of rather like the St. Paul talking about Christ as the, the head, the head of the body. The one head of all, says Plotinus. And uh, so this is this business of numbers. Faces are many. This one head is already unitary, perfect, established. Yeah, I, I think that we look at the time world, we always get picture like this. We always will. If we look, look in, nothing gone wrong. Everything is all right now. It's heaven now. It's not nothing to be done, really. It's okay now. It's it's not in the, it's not something gone wrong with the world and the world's going to get better. It's that we're not seeing the world right when we we're not seeing the world really, really, really as it is. 
when we are worried about the state of affairs now, or a concerned thinking, my God, you know, about time people tumble to the simple thing that we're onto. And, you know, why aren't we um, winning more uh, assent from the world? This is a level at which this is perfectly understandable and natural. But a more fundamental level when it's, when it's absolute nonsense. And uh, that all that's gone wrong is that we haven't seen the world as it is. We haven't seen reality as it is. Out there, the many faces. Absolutely. Here, the one. Do you feel this uh, inward look to be a very important leap in one's consciousness? Because we've been so identified, also identified with appearance. Mm. Well, of course, there's a bad way of looking at it, isn't there? The evolutionary way of looking at it, which is a very, very interesting. I mean, if we're talking about the world of time, you know, really uh, ignoring the timeless uh, source and all that, and uh, talking in historical terms, in terms of this kind of newsreel about uh, uh, the story of humanity. And uh, we began, what, five million years ago? I don't know how long ago, something like that. As a very, very uh, skillful, intelligent, fairly upright animals, uh, anthropoids, um, who d didn't uh, see themselves as. Uh, Object didn't live in the world as objects in the world for themselves. They were capacity for the world, uh, just like the space small babies now and other animals are. And then the great leap forward and uh, taking, no doubt, many hundreds of thousands of years to accomplish a slow leap in the space, and yet, in certain sense, a sudden leap. Uh, was this business of uh, looking at yourself from out there and seeing yourself as, a, as an object along with other objects, objectifying oneself probably with the help of the mirror. Well, not the mirror, but a mirror surface, the surface of water, whatever you see or image there, and you play. One can imagine a primeval man or a little or child, a gifted child, adventurous child, uh, pulling faces and pulling faces where he was and seeing what happens in the water. See that little boy pulling faces in the water. And he finds that uh, there's a correspondence between sensations here, the timing of them, and even the nature of them, and the picture in the water as a correspondence. And then from there he would uh, go on to uh, eventually, I suppose, catch a hold of that face, as it were, and uh, say, well, it looks over there, but it's really here. And uh, here am I, just like the others. I'm, I am what I look like. And then he was a human being, and uh, that process, uh, you know, get that all sorted out 
long, long time. And it isn't complete yet for some people. I mean, some people are, are not really arrived at that full objectivity. I mean, there are some uh, very simple people and primitive types that haven't quite made it yet, really. Uh, well, now, uh, that, that was an evolutionary leap of, well, all important is, is what made us human, and the product of this, that leap, is, uh, well, everything we call civilization. Human condition is the result of that. The human condition, with all its positive things, as well as its terribly negative ones. Well, now the, it seems to me the the adventure of the future, which may come off on this planet or may not, and I feel sure it'll come off on some planet or is coming off on maybe hundreds of millions of planets now. I don't know. Um, the the next step is to take the gains of all that. Uh, venture into self-objectification and uh, and uh, combine it with the the neglected original truth which the animal the uh, baby the tiny baby are living uh, but making it now conscious connecting the two uh, so that one takes the gains of self-objectification and uh, reverts also uh, to uh, true subjectivity. So one is object, subject, and with the emphasis on subject. And that is that uh, I am here, just I am. And uh, there I am Douglas. And uh, it's the it's the union of those two, which is the next step in evolution, maybe. In other words, we uh, see who we are. We, we, what we do is to remain members of the human club, but secretly withdraw our subscription. Our subscription being uh, this illusion that I am what I look like. And quite obviously, our friends who see this very clearly uh, uh, are more human in a sense than before. I think the way to be a really genuine human being is to see that you're not a human being here. You're only a human being there. For the rest of this interview, please listen to part four.